When I was 20 years old, I got my first apartment, first apartment of my own. It was in a very challenging or, or difficult or hard, rough part of the city, I guess. But it was uh, my own place. And I remember how just enjoyable it was to have my own place and to be, have my own, uh, you know, my own space. And, um, but I discovered after being there not very long that I actually wasn't alone. There was a woman that lived, uh, it was in the apartment above me, uh, a widow. She was probably in her 80s. She had lost her son when he was young, her only son, as she told me, and eventually lost her husband. And I think she found in me, as we got to know each other, kind of a second chance at, you know, maybe having, a, a, being a, a mom or, or even being a grandmom. Not long after we met, you know, before you know it, I was having dinner at her house. You know, every Wednesday night, I would have dinner with her and we'd talk about, you know, all kinds of things, uh, perhaps my newfound Christian faith, you know, more than anything else. But it was a great uh, relationship that we had in a way. And, you know, I didn't do much, helped her up the stairs, uh, bring up groceries, occasionally uh, bring up her mail. Uh, she often left things for me at my door in that year that I lived there. I was only there about a year, and uh, but a couple years later, I ended up leaving Rochester to go to Dallas, a seminary, which began a long journey, new new path for my life. And after being there about a year, my first year, I ended up running out of money, and uh, my my I'd only brought enough for my first year of seminary, but the. Uh, uh, my plan was, you know, for year two, three, and four to use, uh, take advantage of this loan program that, that did not materialize. And I was told then at that point that I needed to, uh, if I couldn't come up with something, I needed to be out of um, the dorm by the end of the summer. Well, the, the months or the days, I should say, and the weeks went by and I didn't have a plan. And about uh, the middle of that summer, I got a telephone call from a lawyer in Rochester, New York, to let who had found me and wanted to let me know that this woman uh, that I had lived in the same house with, uh, at least in the apartments, adjacent apartments in the same house for about a year, she had passed away and had left me $11,000, um, which I used uh, to pay for my school. And uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what heaven is going to be like. You know, and there's, I don't know a lot about it, uh, but the Bible does say to us that we do have personality in heaven. That is, we know each other, we, we, we know who we are, and we know other people. And if that's true, uh, one of the first people I want to find when I get to heaven is this woman to thank her not only for the gift that she gave me, what it meant to me in that summer, in that moment in my life, but what really it has meant. Uh, for the whole, the rest of my life uh, and the impact it's had on the rest of my life. What I wanna talk about this morning uh, in my message in our third installment in this generous series is a message on generous giving. Generous giving is the kind of giving that changes our lives and changes the lives of others. So if you have a copy of the Bible, I'm gonna read from 2 Corinthians, Paul's letter to 2 Corinthians chapter eight, verses one through seven, and then chapter nine, verses six through eight. Second Corinthians chapter eight, beginning in verse one, follow along as I read. And now brothers and sisters, 
We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Chapter nine, verse six. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. These two chapters, chapters uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, is the largest block of teaching in the New Testament on giving. But what it's about is, at least the, the, the context, the immediate context, is what is called in the New Testament the, the Jerusalem offering. And it was an offering that took many years in, 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 to come together where the Apostle Paul, okay, this all started in Jerusalem, and, uh, but it spread out and he started all these churches first in what we call Asia Minor and Turkey in that area and ultimately in Western Europe, mostly churches that were built on Gentiles, people, non-Jewish people. This was Paul's great ministry. He was the ministry to the Gentiles. But what happened in the early church, in the early decades of the early church, is the mother church in Jerusalem had become under great persecution and had become very, very poor. And so Paul does this very careful offering over many um, congregations that he started over years to bring an offering to help the Jerusalem church. And this becomes the context of this great teaching, and that's what this is about. But ultimately, in explaining what happened here, Paul eventually, years later, delivers this offering. He sets the pattern for New Testament giving uh, for all churches, um, you know, for all time, uh, up until uh, the day we have today. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, Paul will say in these verses, we are challenged to a costly service in what we give to God and what we give to others with our resources. So a couple key principles in this message. The first one is that giving is the key to joy. Or you might even say sacrificial giving is the key to joy. He says in this opening paragraph, right? He wants to commend the Macedonian churches. He's writing to this church, this congregation in Corinth. He's encouraging them to make good on their pledge to give in this offering. He says, as an example, as an encouragement, as an inspiration, right? This is a, this is a, a testimony he's sharing, a story that he's sharing to inspire them. He uses the Macedonian churches, which in the New Testament are three churches, the, the Philippians, the Thessalonians, and the Bereans, all churches that Paul had started in his missionary journeys, all who were giving, and it says, in the midst of their severe trials, okay? 
lot of persecution and challenge in the first century in the church. Out of their extreme poverty, but with overflowing joy, they not only gave um, to this offering, but they gave more than is expected. Just as an example from one of these churches, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, we have a record of this great um, sacrifice and giving. It says this, listen carefully to these words. You became, Paul writing to the first church, to the church in Thessalonica, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. I'll just stop for a minute. How do you put those two things together? Severe suffering, right, and joy of the Holy Spirit. See, most of us, I think, me, maybe you, we would not put those things together. I would not see that, that you know, I look at times of suffering, of challenge, of crisis, we're kind of all in one right now, at a time that I would not equate with joy. But see, in this context, the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, I want you guys to give. give giving is the key, is, is to joy. Why is that? How could these individuals, these other churches, how could they in a time of great suffering, even extreme poverty, those are Paul's words, not mine, how could they give above and beyond? They could do that because they understood the secret of joy. And he mentions it in this passage. It says, they gave of themselves first, verse five, and then also to the Lord, right? They could give very freely of their resources, their money in this case, because they'd already given themselves to God. This is the key to joy. It's beginning, to under, it's, it's beginning with the fundamental understanding that your whole life is a gift from God. Everything that I have is a gift from God. My, my very breath is a gift of God. My, my, every, every piece of material and, 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 and possession that I have is a gift from God. My family, everything I have is a gift from God. I, I really have been, I'm a steward of all of God's gifts. My life is a stewardship. And when I understand that, when I begin to see that everything I have is from God, then I can freely give it to others. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us here in this passage. Let me say this about you know, the coronavirus, our, our current moment. If you wanna call that a, a suffering of a kind that we're all going through. I, I believe I can say this even to you know, all the people that I'm pastoring, even listening to this passage this morning. All of us will suffer a, a kind of loss in the coronavirus. Now, some of you already, and I know this, have already experienced a loss of a kind. You've lost your job. Maybe you're, you, you've lost the, a level of your income. You lost a, a, the, the confidence that you're gonna have your job or you're gonna return to your job at the end of this. You've certainly lost your ability to, to, to spend time with some people that you care about. Some of your family does not live in your home. There's things that you have lost. All of us perhaps have lost a sense of security. So everybody, in the world, certainly all of us listening to this message this morning, have experienced or will experience a loss in the coronavirus. But here's my question to me and to you, is not how much have you lost, but how much does it matter to you, right? How much does it matter to me, the things that I've, have I lost? And more pertinent to this passage, has it, have you lost your joy in the midst of it? 
okay? Because what Paul is saying to this about this group, the people he's commending, he's using as an example to inspire you, to inspire me, is in the midst of severe suffering, in the midst of extreme poverty, they did not lose their joy, okay? Because they'd given themselves first to the Lord and then they were able to give freely of the resources that they had, whatever it was. If you have lost your joy, if I have lost my joy, let me tell you what this passage tells us. Your impulse during this period, my impulse during this period is not gonna be to give of my time, to give of myself more, to give of my money. It's gonna be to hold on more tightly to what I have. And my advice to me, if that's me, my advice to you, if that's you, is to give yourself more fully to the Lord. Use this as an opportunity because giving, right? Giving of your heart, giving of your life, yes, giving of your money, is the key to joy, as Jesus would later say. We are more blessed to give than to receive. Second thing this passage teaches us, very important, I think, for this moment we're living in. Giving is a vital indicator of my, of your spiritual maturity, right? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Now he's commending these churches. He's using them as an example. I wanna use these, the Macedonian churches to inspire you, but he wants to commend them as a way to inspire the, the, the Corinthian church to make good on its promise that it had made a year earlier, right? Verse five. And they exceeded our expectations, but he says, listen, we, we urge Titus, excuse me, verse six, just as he had made a beginning to bring to completion this act of grace on your part. In other words, he's encouraging them, he's using these churches to encourage the congregation in Corinth to make good on their earlier promise. But in doing that, he's going to put giving at the center of discipleship, verse seven. But since you excel in everything, right? And then he's gonna talk about the building blocks of the Christian faith, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in love, right? You and I would say, what is the essence of the Christian life? Well, it's my faith, it's my love, it's my knowledge of the word of God. He's saying, listen, I'm gonna put giving right in the center of Christian discipleship. And if you and I don't see giving as one of the central expressions of Christian discipleship, I think what this passage is telling us is we, it's, we're not spiritually mature. My giving, your giving, even your money, yes, to the Lord's work, right, to the things of God, to advancing God's purposes, is an indication of your spiritual maturity. Let me say something that you may have heard before, maybe not, but churches in America, like, like our church, I mean, I'm, and when I say churches, I'm even, I would even narrow it down to say, let's say, um, you know, churches that are uh, um, strongly committed to the teachings of the scriptures. Not every, not every Christian church is. So let's put us, ourselves in that court category. These kinds of churches, churches like ours, on average in America give, I'm talking about giving their money to the, to the work of the gospel. They give between two and 6% of their income. Now, that is lower than the standard of giving in Jesus' Bible in the Old Testament, which many of you may know was the tithe, which is not our standard, 
but it's really has become for what many Bible teachers and scholars would say, what the practice of the Christian church has been for 2000 years, is the Old Testament standard is to become the baseline, let's say the starting point for the New Testament church and it has been for 2000 years. However, if that's true, why is it that the majority of Christians in our country do not give even the baseline of 10%, they begin between two and six, and here's why I think it is. Because we see in our culture that, let's say giving to your church, not only your money, your time, but in this case, your money, we see it as sort of a service fee or in some way an act of charity, right? We're giving sort of like a donation as opposed to something we are giving in response to God as an act of worship, as an offering for all that God has done for us. This is really what you're seeing lived out in this passage and what it really means uh, to be a follower of Jesus today. That's what generous giving is. And I would say to you this, if, if you do not give, if I do not give a, a, a regular portion of your income to the Lord's work, that's what the point of this passage is, I would suggest to you that uh, about you or about me, that you're, you're at best an underachieving disciple and in some ways a failing one, right? Giving is a vital indicator of your spiritual maturity. I don't know if there's any other way you can read the New Testament than that. You know, there's, 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 a, there's a story in Luke's gospel. It's actually right after the passages we looked at last week. It's the story of this tax collector named Zacchaeus. And I'm sure it's told because there's powerful truths in this passage. Many, many of you may know it, Luke chapter 19. And Jesus is doing his thing. He's preaching, teaching. It's, it's early on in his ministry. There's a lot of enthusiasm. And there's a tax collector who were, you know, the, the worst of the worst in Jewish culture in this community because of their, the way they treated their own people. And they were very seen as very greedy and self-serving. And Jesus sees this man in Zacchaeus and picks him out of the crowd and says, I'm gonna have dinner at your house today. And it's, the implication is, if you follow this short story, is Zacchaeus is so overwhelmed by the, the love of Jesus Christ, by the choice Jesus made of, of asking him, by demonstrating his grace to him, it, it changes his life. And in the middle of this little dinner party, Zacchaeus gets up and makes a declaration, this tax collector. He says, Lord, I wanna say something now. Thank you for all that you've done for me. And I'm gonna make a commitment right now that I wanna give half of everything that I have, all of my possessions to the poor, 50%. And if I've cheated anybody, um, which he did, it was part of how he made his living. He said, I'm gonna go back to those people and give them four times what I have taken. Now, why is this here? Because it's telling us something that uh, you know, the Old Testament law said the tithe, we're supposed to give 10%. Maybe if you add up some of the other worship taxes, so to speak, for the temple taxes, it might've been 20%, scholars tell us. Zacchaeus said, I'm gonna give 50. And the law of restitution, right, when something was stolen was usually, if I stole something from you, I needed to give you double back. He says, I'm gonna give four times back. Why does he do that? Because... There is no rule that can govern the love that we give back to God when we, rest, when we understand what he has done for us. That's what this passage is teaching us, right? Giving is the key, sacrificial giving to joy. Second, giving is a vital indicator 
of your spiritual maturity and my spiritual maturity. And finally, to this passage, giving is what God wants for us as Christians, not from us. Giving is what God wants for us, not from us. If you want to reap generously, this is the promise we just read. And what does that mean, reap generously? If you want to reap, I'm talking about spiritual maturity. If you want to reap love in your life, if you want to reap a greater sense of joy in your life, if you and I want a greater sense of purpose in your life, you need to sow generously. That is, give yourself more fully to God. They gave of themselves first to the Lord and then also to this offering and to us. You need to give yourself, yes, more fully to God, yes, to others, but also your resources or a portion of your resources to the Lord's work. Listen, not because God needs it, but because you need it, because I need it. I need to give it so I can be more free to give of myself to the Lord's work. Again, verse eight of chapter nine, 2 Corinthians chapter nine. And God is able to bless you abundantly and me so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, right? We live out of what God has given us. You will abound in every good work. I would say this to us in this moment. Of course, the coronavirus is, is serious and it's, it's impacting the way that we all do life from the, from the, you know, uh, from the top of uh, our culture to the bottom of our culture, every person. And we're all in many ways, you know, uh, um, clamping down and, and, um, and limiting what we do. But I would say this to you. The coronavirus is not a reason for the church to ramp down. It's a reason for the church of Jesus Christ to ramp up, right? We have to do things differently. But this is not a time for us to ramp down, to ramp up. Because, why is that true? Because the church has always done its best work. The Christian has always done his or her best work when they're in a place of greater dependence on God. And that's where we are and where we should be and where I'm inviting all of us to be um, today. So what does that mean? I wanna end this um, sermon this morning with a challenge for all of us in this congregation, every single one of us that's a part of our church, to give more. Yes, give more of your life to God. It starts there. We've talked about that for the last two weeks. It starts with that. If you don't give your life to God, then your resources, you'll never be loose in your fingers, your heart, your, you know, your purse strings to give to people in need or to give to the work of the Lord. You have to start with giving more of yourself to God. Yes, give more of yourself to people as you can in this midst of this crisis, but also give more of your resources to the Lord's work. That's what we're talking about. That's my challenge for all of us here. Now, there's four categories for everyone that's in this um, listening to me today in our congregation, right? You are either a first-time giver, and I'm talking about now giving money or resources to the church. You're a first-time giver. You're a regular giver. You're a um, tither, what we call a tither, which means 10%. A lot of people do that. It's been doing, that's been true for the church for 2,000 years. Or you're an extravagant giver, right? In other words, you give above and beyond like the model we just read about in this passage. So let me, 
let me say a few words to each of us here. What's our challenge? Right? If, you're, if you have never given to this church, uh, maybe any church, and you know, this is true of Browncroft, but it's not just true of Browncroft. But uh, what the people I'm talking to right now, 50% of the people that come to Browncroft Community Church, let's say at least once a month, do not give any money at all. Now that may shock you, but again, it depends on how you think about it. Coming to church, it's not, a, it's not a show, it's not a service fee. Many people don't give because they might not even be a Christian yet. In other words, giving is a response to what God has done for you. So it makes sense that many people come and we want you to be here. This isn't a, this isn't a, you know, this isn't a, this isn't, we're not here providing a service, to, for a fee-based service. It's the, it's the grace and gospel, of free gospel of, 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 of Jesus. But if God gets a hold of your heart, right, it's vital to your discipleship and mine to give. So some of you have never given. I, I would encourage you, start giving. Use the coronavirus, use this moment as a time to start giving, to begin to experience a kind of sacrificial giving, which might mean for you, very small, but I would recommend percentage giving, right? Now, if you might say, well, I can give 10%, give one. But begin, make, pick a percentage and start giving, I would challenge you on a regular basis and see what God does, okay? That's my challenge for the 50% of you. Now, second are those of you are regular givers. What is a regular giver? It means the people that give to this church probably once a month. It's not a, perhaps a fixed amount, maybe different, but you give regularly, you give consistently. My challenge to you, uh, friend, is to think about giving, becoming a tither. Now, you say, are we under the Old Testament law? No, we're not. There's no rule that can govern, it's the whole point of the New Testament, that can govern the love and response that we give back to what God has done for us. But it is, percentage giving is what Jesus uh, uh, encouraged and practiced in his own life. And it's been a starting place for Christians for 2,000 years. So it's a good place to start. So if you are a regular giver, but not a percentage giver, I would challenge you, right? to prayerfully and carefully give 10% of your income and see what God does. Third, if you are a tither, and I would say this of those of you who are, and, and I know many of you are, um, it says a lot, the, the tithers in any church and ours included really are um, the primary you know, sustainers of this ministry. And you give, and, and I say that because we, it's, it's consistent. Right through, through good times and bad, you've done that. And it says to me that you understand that giving is a part of discipleship. It's not a service fee. It's not a charitable donation. It's a part of discipleship. You've seen that. You've given out of extreme poverty and extreme, uh, and, you know, in, in through suffering, difficult times. And, uh, and I want to thank you for that. That's where uh, I started. And for many years, I, uh, I, as many other people have done, and I want to encourage you, encourage me, encourage others that may be tithers um, to increase your giving. Could be 1%, could be two, right? This is how you and I live out this passage if you're in this category. And last, I want to say something to our extravagant givers, right? Those who give above and beyond. You um, just want to, I want to say, I also want to say thank you to you for all that you have done, especially in all the years that I've been the pastor, but in more, but certainly over the last three years, um, you have made a significant difference and we still need you. 2 Corinthians uh, 9, verse 12. This service that you perform, not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, 
but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Thank you, we couldn't have done what we've done or do what we do without you, okay? So I wanna, here's I wanna end. I wanna challenge all of us, everyone in this room, and in this, uh, excuse me, in this listening to me this morning, to put the words of God, these words of God to the test for the next 90 days, right? That's my challenge, for the next 90 days and see what God does. Maybe if we all take the challenge in the next 90 days, who knows? Maybe we'll come out of this a more generous person. Maybe we'll be a, a more generous church and maybe we'll be more prepared for whatever new opportunities, um, needs that God wants to use our church to meet uh, in, our, in a world that's been paralyzed by um, fear and uncertainty. So I wanna pray as we conclude this morning as I did last Sunday, I wanna pray a prayer that I've written. I'm just gonna pray it very briefly here with you, but I would encourage you, we'll send this out uh, to you as well, to pray it um, every day this week. God and Father, I offer myself to you today my wants, my fears, my hopes, my resources. Help me to be a more generous person with all I am and with all I have for you today. Amen.